uh, four minutes or less. And with the resources I had over the holiday weekend, <laughs> that's the video you got. And uh, and it is good to remember, um, you know, those that have gone before. Of course, you saw Jim and and uh, and Mark Trotter, and uh, and that's the tough part about the holidays, isn't it? Is we remember those that that are not with us, but because we uh, are not sorrowful without hope, we have all kinds of hope. We do have joy. We have the joy of the Lord, and it's our strength. And this is His house, and and uh, we're so excited about all God is going to do this coming year. Now I have a uh, I have a sermon series on the vision for this year that'll be coming up here in the next few weeks. So uh, today, what we're going to do is just do what we always like to do at the end of the, the tail end of the Focus Conference, which is always on this weekend, the Missions Focus Conference here in the Metro case, in, uh, primarily at Midtown Baptist Temple. And I think most of y'all are familiar with that. Of course, we broadcast that Wednesday night, and many of you have been involved uh, either virtually or in person over the week. Uh, is just have a guest speaker in, and also it's our custom to have Doug uh, Pearson here whenever we can at the first of the year if he's back in town. So this year, uh, everything aligned right, and God has uh, has the best of both worlds. And so if you are a guest here, we are glad that you're with us and you're able to get a flavor of what Heartland is all about. Our mission here is to equip the saints of God, which that's someone who is born again, uh, equip the saints of God in the Word of God, and this is God's Word, uh, and, and we want to equip the saints of God in the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God, which is to take the gospel, the good news that Jesus lives, that he, he came to this earth and he died on the cross in our place and is risen again. We take that message everywhere we can. And so God wants us to equip the saints of God and the word of God to accomplish the mission of God in the power of God. And I might add by the grace of God. And when we talk about grace, uh, uh, Doug Pearson is a man of grace. Doug and and uh, <clears throat> and his wife, uh, Bethany, have been involved in ministry all literally all over the world. And uh, and they've been a great blessing to HBF for so many years. And uh, th- I'll let him tell you what is going on in his life. But I'm excited about all that God has in store for Doug and Bethany in the coming uh, not not years alone in the coming weeks. And so I'm excited to to hear that. And he's going to come and preach to us today and just enjoy our new year, kicking it off right with our mind on the mission. And uh, I like what uh, Sam Miles said that this week. We got our mind on the mission and our and and the mission on our mind. And uh, for some of you guys that know, I like lyrics. Uh, that, that that harkens back to another song, but we won't go there. So praise God. <clears throat> so, Doug, if you want to come, brother, and uh, preach to us this morning, we are looking forward to hearing from you. Give him a good HBF welcome this morning. Good morning. Well, we had a great mission focus down in Midtown Baptist and 40th and Walnut, and now we're down here. We're bringing mission focus here to close out the weekend. My wife, Bethany, my beautiful wife and I, we have flights. We have a visa and flights to return back to India on February 7th. So that's coming up really soon. Yeah. So that's a big answer to prayer. We've been praying for a long time because you know that India has been closed. And we've been waiting for India to open back up. And all of our disciples back in India have been waiting for us to return. We lived there for 10 years. And so we're going to go back to Mumbai, and we'll go to Arissa, and uh, who, who knows what God's going to do. And until you show up, you don't know what God's going to do, right? And so we thank God for these chances. And so, uh, you know what? I have some scripture to share with you all today. I have some pictures, and then I have some, I have some missions books to share with you. I have like a New Year's book list about what books to read to get that heart of God for missions and to, and to understand what God has done through history. And so let's pray. And uh, we, we, we want to thank you first. We're going to thank God. But we want to thank this church for supporting us and praying for us because we could, we could have never done all the missions that we've done overseas. We, pl- we planted churches and, and you were a part of it. It's your fruit. And uh, the, now I don't, I don't know if the, the, Slides are working yet. They're on the way to working. I'm going to open up the Bible. We'll read the scripture first and pray. And then we'll get uh, the first slide should be a scripture. And it's uh, 1 Corinthians. Let's open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. And I'll pray that. That's the one there, right there. You can read it there on the screen. So I'm going to pray and ask God to help us understand this scripture. And so dear Father God in heaven, I thank you for this church, all the believers here. I pray if there's anyone here that needs to experience uh, a fresh, new walk with God in 2022, God, we've, we've made many mistakes. God, we've, we've been searching. 
for power to live. We have sometimes defeats, sometimes victories. Lord, teach us how to walk in the spirit today. Understand the Bible today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how many of you have experienced the, the truth of this verse? It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Oh, that feels good to say that, doesn't it? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet, not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. And so, have you ever felt that? Have you ever experienced that you know who you are? Number one, I know who I am. I am yours, right? I am God's. I am by the grace of God. And you get that confidence that you know who you are because it takes, a, it takes some time to learn in discipleship your mindset, who you are in God, in Christ. And when God's grace uh, is poured on us, there's no, vain, there's no vain attempt of God. It really produces, some, God's grace produces something in you. And then he says, you know, we can say the same thing as the Apostle Paul. He says, I labored, I was working, I was laboring more abundantly than everyone else. I was working hard, you know. We grace believers are the hardest working ones of them all. There's other religions that are, they don't know grace. They do everything by works, you know. They, there's a lot of religions that say you have to be saved by works. You know, that we, we don't believe that. We believe you're saved by grace. And those of us who believe you're saved by grace, we end up working harder than the ones who say they're saved by works. <laughs> Because we're not working, right? Because what does it say? Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Have you ever felt that you were not doing the work, but you just felt that, that grace of God that poured inside your heart, and then you just started to get to work for God, and you got in discipleship? And it was easy, because Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 30, what did he say? Jesus said, my yoke is, it's easy. <laughs> and my burden is, oh. It's light, huh? right? But see, these other religions don't know that. They, the other religions say, oh, you've got to work, work, work. I'm going to put this burden on you, you know? No. In this church, we don't put a burden on you. We put grace on you. We say, hey, welcome to being set free. You got grace. You didn't do anything. You don't deserve it. But now that you got grace, don't you want to get busy? Amen. It's so fun to work and get busy for God and the kingdom of God and do something to, reach, to go out and reach people for Jesus and to go make Bibles and, you know, whatever God calls us to do, it's easy. Of course, there is a difficulty in it. But, uh, but see, the grace of God in that verse is doing the work and not you. He goes, yet not I. So, again, I question you. Have you ever entered into the yet not I life? Huh? That could be a good phrase you can memorize, right? I have entered into the yet not I life. But, of course, Galatians 2, verse 20, right? Uh, the, the life that I live is, is Christ living in me, right? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. But Christ liveth, uh, Christ liveth in me, right? The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's yet not I, it's Christ living in me, right? Let's go to the next picture. Um, Romans chapter 5 says the same thing. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And uh, that's a good verse about day-by-day -day discipleship, right? It says, first of all, you're you get salvation when you're an, you're an enemy of God and God saves you. And and then you're reconciled to God. And then after you're reconciled, then what happens? You still need to be saved by his life. Meaning every day God saves you from yourself. God saves you from the flesh and the world and the devil. Because we Christians, we're, we're standing saved. We can never lose our salvation because Jesus has saved us. But as we walk through our life, we have three enemies. The world and the flesh and uh, the devil. So how can we be saved every day from those three enemies in a practical sa salvation? Not, not the eternal salvation, but the day-by-day -day practical 
Lord, deliver me from these things. Saved by his life, which means Jesus' life is inside of you now. And he can save you from the world and the flesh and the devil every single day. So we Christians are saved. I got saved December 16th in 1986. So I've been saved for over 30 some years. But I get saved every day by the the life of Jesus living inside of me, saving me from myself, right? Saving me from my flesh. Same thing is said in Colossians chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not things on the earth. For you are dead. Hallelujah, I'm dead. Honey, did you know your husband is dead? Huh? Right? I tell my wife all the time, I got good news for you. Your husband, the old man is dead, right? <laughs> you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Have you ever experienced that day by day saying, you know what, Christ, Christ is my life, you know? Some people say those Kansas City Chiefs are my life, right? <laughs> right? No, Christ is my life because I'm dead, Right? And so that's the secret. And then, of course, I quoted Matthew chapter 11. Let's go to the next picture. Then we have Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. There it is. Yet not I, but the Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, I wrote down, when, when God breaks your will, when God breaks your will to surrender to God's loving will, you will understand joy in sacrificing your plans. Sacrifice your plans and your will and your desires and your comfort. And you can experience the freedom of Galatians 2.20. And Christ's life will touch you deep and, and heal your brokenness. And God's plan and God's kingdom and, and God's will will be done in you. And you'll experience this Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in your life. Next slide. So as we were at the Mission Focus this week, there were many good sessions, if you might have saw online, good preachers that we had at the Missions Conference this week. One of the good preachers that I heard was uh, Dr. Chris Best. How many of you, you guys know Chris Best at Midtown, right? He's a doctor and he's the missions pastor at Midtown Church. And he said this. I wrote down notes of what Chris Best gave us this week. He said, um, we, we need to die to what is reasonable to self and to the world and do our reasonable service. This frees us from the hooks of the world that entangle us through the flesh. So Chris Best says, don't try hard, die hard. Amen? Right? Don't try hard, die hard. And then he said, don't get better, get deader. Amen? Are you getting better? No, I'm not getting better. I'm getting deader. <laughs> I'm dead to myself now, and I'm alive to God. I'm getting deader. And then don't improve yourself, remove yourself, which means die to self and let Christ's life fill yourself. Psalm 51, he quoted, he said, a broken heart, uh, broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. So Pastor Chris said, we become contrite as we live out Christ unconditionally. Living Christ requires doing something. Doing it contritely means living without conditions, demands, expectations, anticipated favors, and grudges. So these are all things that we live with every day, right? Every one of us wakes up in the morning and we have, when we look at the situations in our life and the people of our life, we always put conditions on people and condition. We say, God, you know, under this condition, I need this condition. But when you live out, Christ, when Christ fills you, you don't have any more conditions. You don't care about whatever conditions. You're just there for Jesus. And then demands. You stop having demands. Isn't it difficult to live with, live with someone who always has so many demands? <laughs> right? You know? But you know how it is? When Christ fills your heart, you just start loving people and you stop demanding from them. And when you love them, 
they start doing what you want them to do, right? Like you, there's two ways to make people do what you want them to do, right? You go, I demand you do this, right? Or you can say, you know, I love you. You're very, you are very valuable to me. And I, I have some needs and the, the church has some needs and this is what is God is doing. And, you know, because of love, could, you know, you can ask nicely, could, could you please help, you know? Instead of demanding, we're filled with Christ and then we don't have any more demands, right? And then it says here, uh, Chris Best was saying, we don't have any more expectations, right? I mean, everyone knows that relationship problems happen because we put expectations on each other and we don't fulfill each other's expectations. And sometimes we forget to communicate our expectations. My wife and I always talk about this sometimes, how that sometimes I'll expect her to do something, but I forgot to tell her, Right? And how can I get angry at her for not doing what I didn't ask her to do? Or, she, or vice versa. She might, you know, assume, you know, she might assume that I might do something. But she forgot to ask me. And I didn't, I didn't know that, that that needed to be done, right? So we put these expectations on each other. Well, I expected that you would be like this. Like, well, oh, sorry, I, I didn't know. But when you're full of Jesus... You put all those expectations away and you know that, uh, you know, everyone is helpless without Jesus. <laughs> so you just want to give them Jesus and then you expect Jesus to touch them and to heal them. And then we, we get rid of, uh, we want, you know, fav- anticipated favors, right? Like, hey, I did this for you. What did you do for me, right? We always think like that, right? But when you're full of Jesus, you're not thinking what people are going to pay you back. You don't want to be paid back, Right? And we, we get rid of grudges, right? How many of you have had a 2021 grudge and now it's 2022, right? <laughs> Let go of all those grudges of 2021, right? It's a new year, a new Christ living inside, of the, the same old Christ living inside of you. Next uh, slide. So I'm showing you pictures of our mission. My, my wife and I headed back to India. We met each other in India. God put us together because of India missions. And uh, next picture. So this, before I met Bethany, when I was a single man, I was just sharing this as my testimony. This is in the year 1998, right? When I was 27 years old. And at this time, I was doing ministry with Pastor Brian Hedges. We were going into the City Union Mission. And we used to work with the homeless. And one more ministry I did when I was working with Pastor Brian is I also worked in the junior high ministry and the youth ministry at the Kansas City Baptist Temple. And these are my disciples from 1998. And some of them go to the Midtown Baptist Temple right now. And I showed that picture during our conference. That that's me when I was young and single and thin, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I was making disciples in the 90s. And then when I got to India, this is my, the first disciple God gave me in 2006 when I was sent to India was Pastor Pradeep. You see there in the white shirt. So Pastor Pradeep is my disciple. He wasn't a pastor. We, we taught him. We met with him every week and discipled him, and he became a pastor. And you all have helped us to train pastors in Arissa with Pastor Pradeep. And then we're going to go back and work with Pastor Ganesh. I'm, I'm Pastor Ganesh's pastor. I'm the pastor of the, the three churches we started in the slums. And I'm the pastor, and I gave the pastor over to Ganesh to be the pastor there. Uh, next picture. That's what one of the slum churches that we started. Uh, next picture. And those, of course, are the discipleship lessons we translated. Uh, next picture. And that's Bethany teaching discipleship to the ladies. Uh, next picture. And then you all know that I got to teach in the, the Bible college there, the Bible Institute in Bombay. And these are my students. The next picture is my students that I got to teach. in the. It was a four-year Bible Institute. And a lot of these students, are, they've all graduated, and they've been sent to Gujarat and Uttar Pradesh and Rajasthan and, and a lot of North Indian places. And they're just like Pastor Pradeep. They have a church of 30 to 50 people, and they have pastors coming wanting to be trained in the Bible. And we need you to come and help us because we have this one next picture, one man. One of my former students, his name is Ratan, and this is in Bhutan. And Pastor Brian and Dave Pierce went there. And because Pastor Brian went, he came to Nepal. And some of you have taken trips to Nepal with us. 
and went to Bhutan. Because Pastor Brian went there on the trip, that's how we met this man, and he became my Bible student. And I got to train him in the Bible, and then we sent him back to Bhutan. And now we can reach all of Bhutan for Jesus if we can help this, this wonderful young man, Ratan. And of course, Brian knows him. Pastor Brian knows him. And we pray that in the future, as we go back to India, we can reach a lot of new areas, new initiatives in India missions. Uh, next picture. So as I continue giving a testimony this morning, I brought with me uh, a book list for you. And I have actually, I bought, because I really don't believe in having a Kindle, because I love to read actual books. So I brought my books with me on, on the front row here. And the first book I want to recommend to you, these are books that are going to, these are books that are going to revolutionize your life. When you read these books, you'll get to understand all of history, what God is doing in history, and what God is doing, how it ties up to right now in 2022. And the first book is this book, the, the book that made your world. Okay, so this is the book that made your world. It says, How the Bible Created the Soul of Western Civilization. It's written by an Indian pastor named Vishal Mangawadi. And Vishal Mangawadi says that um, he was born again from in, in India. He got saved out of Hinduism. That he came to America and he traveled to South Africa. And he said, hey, how is it that all the blessings that the West has, the technology and the education and the development and the dem democracy and the freedom, all the things that we in the West enjoy... How did it happen? He traces through history every blessing and every good development in history. And what is the source of that good development that we enjoy today? The Bible. The Bible, he directly credits the Bible and Bible translation and Bible preachers like Pastor Brian as giving the whole Western civilization all the good blessings that it has, right? And of course, he, he can say that because he, he comes from India, and he's an outsider. He's kind of like, a, you know, he's looking at our fishbowl. We're, we're all a bunch of fishes swimming in the ocean of Western civilization, and we don't know the fishbowl that we're swimming in. So we need an outsider to come jump in the fishbowl and say, hey, did you know what this fishbowl is? Right? And so Vishal Mungawadi comes from the east. He comes over here, and he says, do you guys know that you're living in a Bible fishbowl, you know? But now that you reject, the West is rejecting the Bible, did you know that a lot of poison's in the fishbowl now because people have been rejecting and cutting off their soul, rejecting the Bible? And it's because of preachers of the Bible that America is the good and free country that it has been. You know, like, people like Pastor Brian Hedges is an example of what has created the good things of America. And the next picture is this book. Ambassadors for Christ, and it's by John Woodbridge. And so this is just a good example of a, a book with pictures because I love books with pictures, amen? <laughs> like I, I get tired of too many words and I want to see what, who are these people. And so it's like chapter by chapter, who are the, the greatest Christian examples of Christian leaders, people who really changed their world and took Jesus and and changed entire nations. And in this book, you can go nation by nation, a continent like Africa, Asia, North America, South America. In, in the last two, three, four, five hundred years, who have been the greatest leaders? It even goes into all of church history of 2,000 years. Of who have been the greatest leaders? Of course, you see Billy Graham there. But there are a lot of lesser known people than Billy Graham who really made an impact, who are forgotten in history. And they're all right here if you get this book. On Amazon, right? I, if you got a Kindle, you don't have to carry around the big books like I do. John Woodbridge, Ambassadors for Christ. Next picture, the Pilgrim Church. Now, th you need this book because what? This book tells the history of all 2,000 years of church history, and it proves, it's not the only book like this. There's several books that will show you that we are not Protestants and we are not Catholics. We are Bible believers, there's a line of Bible believers through history, the persecuted church. The persecu we were never a part of Rome. We didn't come out of Rome. We were never in Rome. <laughs> we, were the, we were the pilgrim church. We don't have a home on the earth. 
We can't say our headquarters are in some big city. Our headquarters are in heaven, amen? And so this book will show you that, hey, be a Bible believer, be a Christian follower of Jesus, and don't worry about this religion and that religion, right? Those are all man-made terms. Uh, Amazing stories of the pilgrim church. Next picture. Okay, and then, so one example from that pilgrim church is, it's called the Moravian Church. How many of you have heard of the Moravian Church, right? Oh, Ron's heard about it. Amen. Ron, can you see this book, man, right here? Uh, it's a blue book, and it's called By Patience and the Word. And it, this tells the story of a bunch of Christians in the early 1700s, before the revivals, right? Before Whitfield and Wesley and the early days, right, the Moravians, they got together in a place called Mor- Moravia, is like near Czech Republic in the German, Germany. And uh, they got together, and they were all, they were Christians who were persecuted, and they were all from different backgrounds. And as they, as they met for church, uh, they, they didn't get along, like they were having relationship problems. And one person thought, well, I'm better than you, and you're not as good as me because I'm from this background, and you're from that background. So there was no unity, and they were all meeting together to have church, and they said, uh, God, give us unity, give us love for each other, they, give us humility. They started to pray that God would give them the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So they made a plan, and they said, let's have a prayer meeting for 24 hours a day. Let's pray all day long. Let's have a chain prayer. And they would say, hey, listen, you, you pray from 6 o'clock in the morning until 12 noon, but you pray from 12 noon to 6 in the afternoon. And then, of course, you take the night shift and uh, from 6 to midnight. And then you got the shift from midnight to 6 in the morning. And then teams of people would show up to church to pray. And they would just keep the prayer going. And, keep, and then God gave them a brokenness and a unity and a love and a fire for missions and a boldness to go out and tell people about Jesus. And it started in 1722. They started a prayer meeting in 1722. And the prayer meeting never stopped. The prayer meeting lasted for 100 years. They kept praying all day long, all night long for 100 years. And it wasn't rock and roll prayer. It was real prayer, you know. (laughs) It wasn't that rock and roll prayer, trying to rock and roll all day long and all night. It was real prayer with the Bible, amen. And, and And through that, they got involved in missions. So, so missionaries would come to speak to their prayer meeting, and they would hear testimonies of slaves, black slaves who were uh, getting set free, slaves who would come from the islands, and they were free physically, and they were being free spiritually because Jesus was setting some of the slaves free in the gospel. And so this slave came to the Moravian church and said, can you send missionaries to my people in the West Indies and in the islands in the Caribbean? And they, they said, yeah, we want to be missionaries. We want to go help your people know about Jesus. And as they got on the boat and they're traveling to go reach the black slaves, they learned this. If they're going to have a visa entrance into that country, the, the slave owners will not let them come into the, the country. Only if they volunteer to be slaves will they be able to go and reach the slaves. And the missionary says, sign us up. The missionary said, uh, okay, we're ready. Like, give us the chains. We, will, we love people so much that if those are slaves over there that need Jesus, we will be slaves in order to reach the slaves. Amen? That's why you got to read that book. I mean, stories like that will set you on fire. There's more stories like that in that chapter by chapter of other missionaries that the Moravians sent out to Tibet, China, to Jerusalem, to Alaska, to a lot of the Native Americans, all over the world, they sent missionaries. And these Moravians were so on fire, and that's why we want to be like them. You know, we, let's do it again. God, do it again. Uh, next picture. And then the next book I have for you is this. Uh, who is the first? When, when America was a new nation, when America was a brand new nation, there were a lot of missionary activity from Britain with William Carey and other missionaries. So I have a question for you in your quiz. Like, this will be on the test later. Okay. Who is the first American 
missionary who was sent from a church in America overseas, leaving America to be a foreign missionary. It was this man right here, George Lyle, right? You never heard of him. So he was a freed black slave from Virginia, and he was a Baptist pastor, amen? <laughs> he was the first man, he was the first black Baptist church and black Baptist pastor in America in the, in the 1700s, uh, even before the revolution. Uh, and he was a freed slave preaching, leading slaves to Christ. Um, and so as a, as a Baptist, amen, the Baptists were the first missionaries out of America. But you know what? Most, if you go to most Bible seminaries, they'll tell you the first American missionary was Adoniram Judson. You've heard of him, right? Judson. And where did he go? Burma, right? And he won. He was a beautiful missionary that won hundreds of thousands of people came to Christ after much patience with Judson. But guess what? Judson went to Burma in 1812. This guy went to Jamaica, right? He was sent from Virginia, North Carolina Baptist to Jamaica in the 1700s. So the black guy beat the white guy by over 10 years, you know? He's the first. And we should give him credit, amen? We'll meet him in heaven. Say, hey, you were the first one. Uh, Next picture. Uh, C.T. Studd. How many of you guys know his story? C.T. Studd, right? C.T. Studd was the Patrick Mahomes of his day. Did you know that? How many of you heard his story? So C.T. Studd was the most famous sports star of England in the 1800s. He played a game called cricket. How many of you ever heard of cricket? In South Africa, you know what cricket is, right? So C.T. Studd playing cricket. He was a star for Britain. And, and he got saved at a D.L. Moody revival campaign. And God called him to be a missionary with a China Inland Mission with Hudson Taylor. And so he and his Cambridge buddies signed up to be missionaries to be trained. And C.T. Studd quit the sports team. Amen? He was Patrick Mahomes ready to win the Super Bowl. He said, I quit. What? And everybody said, what? You are nuts. You're going to win the Super Bowl. Why would you quit? <laughs> and C.T. Studd, I'm going to be a missionary for Jesus. The Bible is more important than sports. Amen? <laughs> the gospel is more important. All this stuff, my Super Bowl trophy is going to burn one day. But the souls are going to last. Amen? So after he served God in China, he came back to England many years later and he was an older man, an ex-missionary back in England, and he was sick. He was 55 years old. He was old. Is that very old? That's not very old. But he was 55 years old, and he heard a missionary testimony. There's a need in Africa. There's a bunch of tribes in Africa who don't know the gospel of Jesus, and they're cannibals, right? And, and they, they could not find anyone. No one was willing to go. And C.T. Studd was angry. I serve God in China. Now it's their turn. They need to serve God in Africa. Why? Nobody wants to go. And God says, C.T. Stud, I'm calling you to go. He said, I can't. My doctor says I'm going to die. I, I can't go. My wife says don't go. His wife told him don't go, right? But then he answered God's call. He said, I will go. And as a sick 55-year-old man, he went to Central Africa. And it, by the way, his wife came later. She repented and came later and followed him. And the doctor said, you're going to die in six months, right? C.T. Studd lived the next 30 years in Africa. And he was bicycling through the jungles, going from tribe to tribe. Because when he showed up and preached to the cannibals, he was so sickly, right? He was so ugly looking that they weren't tempted to eat him, right? (laughs) He didn't look tasty. (laughs) That's why you got to get this book. You guys never read this book? I can't believe it, man. This is the best missionary. This is more exciting than something on Disney Plus, amen? How about instead of the book of Boba Fett, how about the book of C.T. Studd, amen? So, next picture. Uh, No turning back. You know, Pastor Brian and I heard this testimony from Daryl Champlin. When we were at Baptist Temple, there was a missionary came and he rocked our world at the World Outreach Celebration. Daryl Champlin went to Africa, went to Suriname. But this is a book by his father-in-law, Daddy Grings. It's called Herbert Grings, No Turning Back. Because this is a story of a man who went to the Congo, Africa, 
and his, fa- his wife died. And when his wife died, all the, con- the Africans gathered together at the funeral. And because his, his wife died for the Africans to hear the gospel, the Africans got saved after the missionary's wife died. And they lost everything. They were on a ship and they lost everything. But he said, I don't care. I want to reach those Africans for Jesus. I mean, nothing is stopping him. And then he tells a story in this book about how he's battling witchcraft, right? Voodooism and witchcraft. He said he met a witch doctor who could call down lightning out of a clear blue sky. I mean, this is satanic power that these witch doctors really have. And by the way, Satan is doing stuff in America today too, calling down lightning from a clear blue sky kind of a stuff. But we have greater power. And so, of course, Daryl Champlin tells the story of how the, the witch doctors challenged him to a fire dance because they used to dance on the fire and voodooism. So as a white man, you remember the story, Pastor Brian. He said, you know, he said he was a good Baptist boy, so he never learned how to dance. <laughs> but he said, when I got on that fire, I had to do a fire dance. He go, I danced some kind of dance that day, right? Remember, we used to laugh when he told that story, you know. And, and so he won all these people following voodooism. He, he danced on the fire. His feet were not burned after the dance. I said, oh, Jesus has power, right? So you can read about it in this book. These, this is a book I just bought on Amazon two months ago. Uh, no Turning Back. Next, uh, next book, Mary Slesser. She went to Nigeria as a, as a single missionary. And you know what happened to this girl, Mary? She was going inland into the jungles and all the missionaries wanted to stay on the coast like in the safe part near the ocean like on the port cities she said i'm going inland and and she was as a single woman she's leading uh, africans to christ starting churches and she's preaching from the pulpits amen she's a woman preacher Uh, i love that but you know what happened the men said hey listen you're a woman preacher Why, why are you the one behind the pulpit she said if any of you men have the guts to come up here where I'm winning people to Christ, I'll give you the pulpit, right? But the men didn't have the guts, so God said, I'm going to have a woman preacher there, amen? And then she got engaged. There was another missionary who was attracted to her, proposed to her, and said, I want to marry you. At first she said, yes, let's get married. But then she asked him, are you willing to come up into the interior? He said, no, God's called me to the coast, she said the engagement is off, <laughs> right? And she stayed single her whole life because she didn't need a husband, amen? She got Jesus. <laughs> and she reached Nigeria when it was called the Calabar for Christ. Next picture, By Their Blood. So this is a book you have to get because it lists every nation in the world and it tells you, uh, James and Marty Hefley wrote this, who has died what missionaries have gone and laid their lives down as a martyr and they have died for Christ in every single nation, uh, chapter by chapter, you can look up Vietnam, China, Indonesia, African nations, South America. And uh, by the way, what, a recent story is a South African who died in Afghanistan. I'm sure you probably heard of uh, Werner Grenwald, right? Like Werner Grenwald is a recent martyr from South Africa goes to Afghanistan about five or six years ago. The Taliban came and he was in Kabul five or six years ago, discipling many, there are many secret underground churches in Afghanistan. And Warner Grinwald from South Africa was there for many years. And the Taliban came and, and killed him. This is five or six years ago this happened, four years ago. So uh, the story's like that, right? Because we always hear stories in church history of, who died for Jesus in the first 300 years of the church, right? Uh, Ignatius, Polycarp, uh, Irenaeus, all these guys, right? But how many of you know who died for Christ in the last 100 years? This is only about the last 100 years. It doesn't talk about ancient history. The last 100 years, who died, who died for Christ in Vietnam 50 years ago? Not in the war of Vietnam, but in the gospel in Vietnam. Well, you better get this book and find out. Next picture, the, the Batak blood and the Protestants. So I have three books about Muslims coming to Christ. And you go to Indonesia, 
And there's a tribe called the Batak tribe. And the Protestant missionaries want the whole tribe was led to Christ. And this is the story I'll tell you. When Bethany and I, we took a mission into Vietnam. And we helped set up the, uh, with Andrew Ong and Midtown or setting up a church in Vietnam. And we met an Indonesian from this tribe. There's many Indonesians living in Vietnam. And we heard this story from two different sources that, that uh, back in 2004, you see the, the Muslims control Indonesia and this one tribe is Christian and the Muslims will never let the Christians celebrate Christmas. They can't have any Merry Christmas uh, meetings. And so what the, every year what the Christians do is on December 24th and 25th and 26th for like a three-day conference, all the Christians go up into the hills and secretly have Christian, uh, Christmas. So in the year 2004, do you all know what happened? December 26th, 2004, the tsunami. And Indonesia was the major uh, place where the effect happened and thousands of people died along the coast. Well, did you know that all the Christians were up in the hills having Merry Christmas? The day after Christmas, the tsunami happened in the morning, they were coming down from the hills and the villages were wiped out. But the Christians were saved. They, that's what they tell us. This tribe standing for Jesus in a Muslim nation. Next uh, picture. Oh, now this is my Kindle book. It's called From Mecca to Christ. So this is a man from Saudi Arabia telling you how he got saved in Mecca, right? All the Muslims go to Mecca to go around the Kaaba and, and worship Allah through Muhammad. But this guy, he's in Mecca trying to worship through the Quran, and he suddenly gets, you know, a dream of Jesus, and he gets a Bible, and he gets converted. So you want to get a book called From Mecca to Christ. Uh, next book, The Son of Hamas. So this man, Mossab Hassan, his father is the founder of the terrorist organization, Hamas, the Palestinians trying to kill the Jews. And his father was the founder of that. So he became a Christian. He met Christians uh, in Israel. And he got born again. And he got a burden for his Muslim family. And so he thought, what can I do? His Muslim family doesn't want to listen to the gospel of Jesus. They're terrorists. So Mossab said, I'm going to become a secret agent, a spy for the Jews against my own people. To save my own people. So he used to call the Jews, the, the CIA of the Jews and the FBI of the Jews, right? And he said, hey, listen, my uncle is in this and this town and this building, and he's going to be a suicide bomber, and he's going to try to kill some Jews. You go stop him before he does it. And they stopped several suicide bombings because he was a spy against his own Muslim people for the Jews, right? And he began to have a love. He used to hate the Jews, and he began to love the Jews as a Christian, and then eventually he got found out, and he escaped, and he lives in California now, right? But if you want to read a spy novel that's better than James Bond, get this book, Son of Hamas, a secret agent against the terrorist for the Jews, and, but he gets saved, right? Uh, the gospel is more exciting than any James Bond movie, amen? The next book I have for you is Angel and the Rubble. Okay, this lady, her name is Janelle Guzman. And she's from Trinidad. She was an illegal immigrant, by the way. She was living in America illegally on September the 11th, 2001. She was working in the Twin Towers. And she and some of her friends were very slow in coming down the, the stairs to try to get out of the Twin Towers because they didn't know when those towers were burning and they'd been hit. They didn't know that the towers were going to collapse, right? They thought they had time. And so her and her friends got down. She says they got down to the 13th floor. And she is the last survivor that was pulled from the rubble. She laid under the rubble of the World Trade Center for 27 hours. And the firefighters pulled her out like about 1 or 2 in the afternoon on September 12th. And she was the last. I mean, they pulled many bodies after her, but they were all dead. She was the last living survivor in September 11th. Now, why should you get this book? Because she gives an intimate testimony of what she was thinking about for 27 hours 
under the rubble of the World Trade Center. And you know what happened to her in those 27 hours of thought and prayer? She got saved. <laughs> she was raised Catholic, but she had no idea. She, she was not serious about Jesus, and so she had no idea what it meant to be saved. And then suddenly she realized that she was so close to death, she didn't know where she would go. And, of course, she'll tell you how the Lord converted her in that rubble. And, she, and she, after she was rescued, she joined the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir in the church there, right, in New York City. So she's got the angel in the rubble. Uh, next picture. Uh, after the heavy rain, this is a book about Cambodia. Uh, in Cambodia, a lot of the Khmer Rouge, there was a communist genocide of the communists killing the capitalists. And this man, uh, his family was killed by the communist rebels. And this man escaped. He got out alive from the genocide. And he got to America. He, got, he became born again, got to a church in America, got saved, got discipled, got trained in the Bible. He said, I want to be a pastor to go reach my own people. He came back to Cambodia. And as he's starting churches amongst the Buddhists in Cambodia after the genocide had finished, he says to his village, show me, I want to find the people who killed my family because they're still out there. See, there, there was no justice done. All the people who did the killing are still living in Cambodia, the Khmer Rouge. And so he said, I want to meet the people who killed my family and, and tell them that Jesus will forgive them. What the, only Jesus could transform someone like that, right? Like Buddha and Muhammad and Hindus could never produce a transformation like that to to forgive your enemies, right? Evolution couldn't do that. Only Jesus can transform you to have so much peace to forgive your enemies. Next picture. Uh, Richard Wormbrand started Voice of the Martyrs. How many of you like Voice of the Martyrs, right? And he tells a story in this book. It's called Solid Sermons in Solitary Confinement. He says, for 14 years, he was in a Romanian prison that the communists tried to brainwash him. And as he's in prison... He's in isolation. He has no one to talk to. And he's a pastor. Pastor Brian, he was used to putting together sermons week by week and preaching them, you know. He's like, he has no one to preach to. So he, in this book, he says this. I wanted to preach a sermon and I wanted the Holy Spirit to give it to someone. So he said, I'm going I'm to remember all the Bible I have memorized. I'm going to make a sermon right now. Point number one. He came up with a five-point sermon and a poem, right? And he came up with his sermon and he said, Holy Spirit, take this word that I'm preaching right now to the walls. And he said, there's someone else in a prison somewhere else in the world who's also in isolation, solitary confinement. I want you to give him that message. And many years later, after he's freed from Romania prison, he's in Canada preaching in a church. And a guy comes up to him after the service. He says that you gave those points in your message of what you preached in the sermon. The Holy Spirit gave me the same thing. When I was in prison, you know, in other words, the Holy Spirit took his sermon and the Holy Spirit went to Canada and said, this is what uh, Richard Wormbrand was saying. And he didn't give Richard Wormbrand credit, though. And he got the same message in prison because the Holy Spirit can take your message. It's better than an Internet broadcast, you know. Next picture. Uh, R.G. Letourneau. I like to finish with this one because you know what? There are many of us today, I'm, I'm about to finish now because I know it's getting late, is there are many of us who maybe God will never call you to full-time, like to go overseas, you know? God wants you here in America because there's plenty of lost people here in America to reach. There's plenty of churches to build here in America, and God has a call for you to stay, right? But guess what? You know who's the, one of the best examples of a man who, he wanted to be a missionary, but God said stay? Is this man here, his name is... R.G. Letourneau, mover of men and mountains, he invented most of the earth-moving equipment and the construction equipment we use today. Back in the, you know, the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, Letourne, there's a Letourneau University in Texas you can go to and learn how to do this stuff. He invented the equipment, Pastor Brian. And so he became a rich man. As a, as a born-again Christian, he'd been a Christian for a long time. And he, so he said this, and you read in the book, he said, God, if you want me to support missions financially, right? He said, God, if you will bless my business, 
I will give 90% of my money to missions and I'll live on 10%. Amen? (laughs) So maybe some of us could do that, Pastor Brian. Like some of us, we're not going to go overseas. So maybe God has called us to, maybe God has called us to support missions with our money, right? So some of us could live on 10%, right? And we could give 90%, amen? <laughs> if, if, the thing is, the guy, he was, he was a millionaire, right? Well, if you're a millionaire, you can afford to do that, right? But maybe God will make you a millionaire if you tell him you'll give 90%, amen? So uh, I love R.G. Letourneau. I'm going to finish with that. I, I have some more scriptures here, and I'll, fin- I'll finish with an invitation. And we're going to pray that God gives a, a good new year because 2022 is going to be different. God's, God's going to start doing all this crazy stuff of the past. God's going to, God used the crazy stuff of the last two years to produce in us a very seriousness because we see that Satan is trying to take out all the Christians all over the world. I mean, our churches in India were not able to meet for a full year. It was in November that India gave the churches permission to meet again. So it was a whole year the churches couldn't meet even in homes. Because when you live in India or China or these other nations, when the government says something, the people don't have the freedom to say, I, I don't care what the government says. Right Here in America, we have a lot of freedom. So it doesn't matter what the government says, you know. But over there, they've been shut down with no choice. And so Satan has done a number on all the churches of the whole world, hasn't he? And Satan has been used by God to test the church to see who's serious, right? Who's going to come to church when there's a little bit of a a problem of coming to church, right? Who's going to be in fellowship? Who's going to be on fire when no, no one else is on fire? They've lost their fire. But we keep that fire because we say, God, you know, God, when I'm not on fire for God, God is on fire for me. And so I say, God... God, sometimes I don't love you, but God, you love me. So I want to take a little bit of the love you have for me, and then I'll return it back to you. And then I can return it back to my brothers and sisters. Because we don't have anything to give. But what we get from God, that way we can give. Amen? And so that's our New Year resolution to receive from God and to give it out. So let's pray that God gives it that today, and then we'll, we'll ask Pastor Brian to come up and close us. Dear Father God, I thank you for... Jesus, I thank you for the Bible. I know that many of us have been struggling. Lord, there's, it's been difficult to, to live out the Christian life and all that Satan has been doing. And so I pray that you'd renew and refresh us today, that we could put the past behind us. Lord, if there's anyone here that needs to be healed in their heart, maybe their emotions are upset, I pray that they could receive joy, receive forgiveness. And if you need forgiveness today, just say, Jesus, Uh, Pray this prayer right now. Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I receive your love, Jesus. You died for me. Forgive my sins, Jesus. I want to know that I'm a child of God, Jesus. And so let me live. Dear Jesus, give me confidence to live as a child of God and help me to go through discipleship, Lord. And we thank you for Pastor Brian. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.